Making It Plain, a podcast dedicated to discussing real issues that impact Black communities, Black families, and Black women. Your host, Dr. Key, is dedicated to discussing Black issues in a way everyone can relate. Welcome to Making It Plain. I am your host, Dr. Key, and in this episode of Making It Plain, we are discussing Black politics with your girl, Erica Savage from Savage Politics. She has frequent Roland Martin Unfiltered and recently interviewed Ice Cube. But every day, she's doing something amazing in politics. So we want to welcome you. Thank you so much, Dr. Key. It's so great to be with you and your audience today. Yes, we're excited. We're excited to have an important discussion of basically getting out here and voting, you know? Um, And so I want to start by talking a little bit about Michelle Obama and this speech that she gave yesterday. And what what are your views on the things that she said? I think she has some hidden messages in there um, that that are specifically important for for us to be considering. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And, you know, what Michelle Obama in essence did was laid out the tenets of being a president. She is our forever first lady, as some people say, Um, but she is a well-accomplished woman who does not like politics, but was able to lay out having been uh, in the White House for eight years, um, along with her children, what a president really should be doing. Um, and what the requirements um, of a, a president are. So I believe that her message was a gut punch um, to the ego of the White House occupant. But I also believe that in it, I said this earlier today, that when we think about um, First Lady Obama, we think about how she has been very much so um, a person who has laid her life to bear. So we juxtapose that with um, uh, Melania Trump right now. Uh, she, you know, definitely had an interest in children and making sure people eat healthier um, and that people um, understand the connection between eating healthy and working out. She had that whole health program. And then we also saw as she moved out of the White House, how she was very open and honest about some of the different challenges that she and President Barack Obama had around conceiving. Um, when she talked about just very recently the low grade depression that she um, had to manage. And I'm, I'm saying all that to bring forward that she has been a credible person. She's built up a certain credibility factor. So when she came into um, all of our homes um, on uh, Monday evening to talk very plainly, um, as your, your show, Making It Plain, Dr. Key, she talked very plainly about where we are and uh, very importantly, that this is not a time to withhold our vote for any type of principled stance. This vote does not necessarily mean um, in love. Um, this means agreement with the direction that our country needs to go in, which is a semblance of democracy. And she also issued a dire warning that I hope people paid attention to, which was that if you don't think that it can get worse, it absolutely can. And so when you think about um, the Obamas and uh, their empathetic nature, when you think about the Sandy Hook shootings and the Trayvon Martin um, killing and how President Obama um, was very honest and um, cried how you had an opposition group that called that weak and that called it a hoax. Now we're at a moment where we do need that level of empathy where everybody is being impacted, right? And so uh, here is then, uh, 
the um, excellent Michelle Obama to say, and this is why everyone needs to engage in this election, vote early, check that voter registration, check to make sure that if you do send in an, um, a ballot, um, mail-in ballot, that it was received, but really giving everyone their marching orders around what we must do to, in fact, save uh, this semblance of democracy that we have remaining. Yeah, when she said, she said, vote like never before. And all I could think of is vote like your life depends on it, because literally Mm -hmm. it does depend on it, literally. Um, And I can remember taking my kids to the polls with me and they were little. And we stayed in the line for like three and a half hours to vote for Obama. And I didn't even think about doing an absentee ballot at that time. And right now, you know, with the fear of COVID and all, and I know people are, you know, considering absentee ballots just because they want to stay healthy. And so, but we have all of these threats even against the absentee ballot now. And it's just, it's so difficult. Um, even myself doing an absentee ballot online, um, well, doing a request online, they sent me a paper one in the mail and I'm like, okay, I did the request online. I've never had to do a paper one also in the mail. So what does this now mean, right? Yeah. Is my vote going to even count, right? And so I tell my husband, maybe we'll just go and stand in the, whatever amount of time line that I have to wear two masks if we need to, but mm-hmm. we need to make sure that we get out here and we vote. And that yeah. was really strong. And her message was really an emotional message. Yeah. Um, and she's credible. She talked about her journey in the White House, even in her, um, I want to say, in her her Netflix um, movie or, or video that she put out, but she talked about her experience there and how she had to always watch what she said, right? And how what yeah. she said was taken wrong. And all I saw was how strong she was to be able to use her voice and say what needed to be said without without being sanctioned or tempered. Because um, I didn't feel like that was tempered at all. She's, <laughs> she said, it is what it is. This is where we yeah. are. And this is what we need to do. Um, so yeah. we're in a like an unprecedented time. We're we're in a time where we need to be voting, when we're fighting a pandemic, but also when the vote is being attacked. So I do want to talk about voter suppression and get some of your views. Um, over the weekend, we started to hear the news of mailboxes being removed and postal workers being you know, laid off and, and all of these things happening. Now, how does that impact voters? Because I think people and, and some of my viewers may not make that connection. Like, what does that really mean for, for us? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, you know, it, it really is voter suppression in action. That is the best way that I could actually describe it. If anybody were looking for um, a pictorial of what voter suppression looks like, that would be an avenue. When we look at um, the post office and what it has often served for black and brown and other people of and people of color, it has really served as a way to really um, cement a foundation and to bring up a family um, in the middle class. And for some, just depending on how far they move along and things of that nature um, into a place where they're um, a bit comfortable, right? Where they can afford a mortgage, where they can afford a couple of cars, where they can afford to send their children to college and take a a couple of of vacations. This has been a gateway for people um, of color to get out of uh, poverty. And so we have to realize that this particular um, regime 
um, as I uh, refer to them, not the administration of regime, they're, they're very much so well aware of that. Um, and when we look at who are the people that deliver our mail seven days a week, rain, smooth, or snow, it's very true to the commercials that we see about the um, United States Postal Service. It is those black and brown and people of color that are doing that work. So when we look at a particular entity that is not expected to pay a profit, but that has to pay into a pension fund, um, I believe it's uh, up to 75 years. When we look at that type of weight that has been put on that, this is really a mechanism to privatize um, the United States Postal Service. That has been going on for decades. We're actually now in the moment of, you mentioned the public health crises that we're facing, the economic crises, a housing crises. We have all of these different culminating crises. And then we look at the post office, which is an avenue for people to receive checks in the mail, for you just to receive mail that you prefer or would not want to have online, for those individuals who are like myself that are veterans, and then for the veterans that have to receive medication because of PTSD um, and different injuries. Um, and you work with um, you know, mental health and children's mental health. You think about all of those different individuals that receive prescriptions to include our senior population in the mail. And so all of that, when we look at the communities that are most impacted, we're talking about seniors, we're talking about veterans, we're talking about black and brown communities. All of these communities really, in some respect, are marginalized communities. And so understanding that these communities heavily depend on the post office, rural communities definitely depend on the post office, um, our uh, indigenous brothers and sisters, Native Americans definitely depend on the post office because they oftentimes uh, you have P.O. boxes instead of physical addresses because um, of where some of them live, in fact, on reservations. So when we look at all of these population of people that are being attacked and we looked at um, look at the person who um, is showing no leadership, but using a person that he, in fact, brought in this year a business person out of North Carolina who is a multi-millionaire who's also a big-time contributor to the Trump Victory Fund, who has uh, hosted fundraisers, who has no credentials with the United States Postal Service, who's only acted as a contractor, being put in a position um, to act as the Postmaster General. We actually see, you know, aligned purposes meet with what people really do depend and need um, mm -hmm. to receive their mail, to receive their medications, that kind of connection there. Mm -hmm. And so it is no surprise that this attack on the post office would happen in the most vulnerable time when we have a general election, when we have the census, when we have all of these different pieces that are going on that are grabbing for our attention. But what I do love about this attack, that not that I love the attack that happened on the Postal Service, but that the response of the people was such that they say, no, 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 it is a bridge too far. So now we're seeing that um, today was breaking news that the Postmaster General, uh, Louis DeJoy, actually um, said that all of the different changes that were made to the Postal Service, um, that those would be suspended until after the election. But he's still going to have to come in and talk to um, Republicans this week, and then on next week, he'll have to answer questions um, from the House. And um, we do see the Board of Governors, how people are learning about who they are, um, and that there's um, a, a possibility of some different um, criminal investigations happening, and for that he would be held into account, that it's not just, we're going to take this particular 
um, person who was brought into uh, this regime and believed that, okay, he said that he's going to suspend all of the attacks on um, his own <laughs> agency that he's been kind of, you know, given um, the reins to um, overlook that is saying, no, 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 we're, we're going to have you on the record. So he'll be um, meeting with folks in Congress um, twice in the next uh, week or so. But I think that this really shows what happens when people who are postal employees, people who um, are um, voters say that, no, 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 that's not right. And if it means that I have to call my representative every day to let them know that I am not okay with this, that they are going to have to respond to me because I elected them, then that's what I'm going to do. And the cries of the people really did come up loud and clear. And he'll be answering questions before Congress here. Wow. And I think another big part of the postal service impact is small business. Small mm-hmm. business often use the U.S. Postal Service to ship because they don't do the volume for right. UPS, FedEx, or any of those big ones. And so right. they use the U- United States Postal Service. And so this mm-hmm. had a huge impact on small business. And we're talking mm-hmm. about those minority and women-owned businesses that are being, you know, influenced by the postal service. So this is a big, a big issue, but also it's an issue with our mail-in ballots, right? So voting absentee, you have to use the postal service. And if the postal service has removed all the boxes in your area, um, you know, there's no way for you to even get your ballots turned in, right? Um, so it's it's a, a a huge impact on a number of things. Um, it is, Dr. Key. And, I, and I'll just, and I'll add this. Now, there are some counties that do have the secured um, ballot drop-offs where people can actually drop their ballots off there and um, someone from the elections office or some of the same um, property as their election supervisor, whoever um, their elections person is, is on that property, perhaps city property. And it will just be someone that will collect them that is um, from that particular um, organization. Um, so one of the things that Michelle Obama um, did, in fact, say last night is that you request, go ahead and request your ballot now. You mentioned you've already put, requested those. But then look into your city and um, or your county's early voting, because early voting started in Florida, I believe, this week. There are a lot of cities and counties, uh, boroughs that are going to have early voting dates. So. If you look to see when your early voting date is, you can vote in present, um, vote, in, vote in person there, go early. You said you were going to double mask, Dr. Key, double mask. I know there are people that are going to be having painter suits, people yeah. that are going to have hazmat suits, whatever you need to do. Um, but um, check out all of those different options because of these attacks, uh, particularly black, brown and people of color don't have the confidence, not in the postal workers, but those individuals who actually do have agency over the postal service to say, well, even though the joy has said that he's rescinding back, suspending all of the changes that he made, um, mm-hmm. I am still going to, in my voting plan, show up in person, but I'm going to show up in person early and I'm going to bring folks with me. Right, right. I'm glad you gave us all those options. So I just want to re- repeat it. That, you know, people can look into early voting, but they also can look in those secure boxes in their areas where they can actually drop off their absentee vote. And maybe, you know, using the U.S. mail may may not be your only option. You can actually physically drop off your ballot. We want you all to get out there and vote and hold on to your vote like it's gold. Make sure it's in and make sure it's secure. 
Um, so I'm glad that you you mentioned that. I also want to talk a little bit about your interview. You interviewed with, with Ice Cube not too long ago. And I wanted to get some context uh, about what that interview was like and the types of things that he's passionate about. Sure. Um, so um, for your audience, uh, um, I'm on a Thursday panel along with uh, Black Women Views, Reese Culver, and Dr. Greg Carr, who's the chair of African-American studies at Howard University on Roland Martin and Filter. We're on every Thursday at six o'clock. And a couple of Thursdays ago, one of the guests that we had um, in the hour block was uh, O'Shea Jackson, also known as Ice Cube. And so Ice Cube has done, you know, we know him from um, music. We know him from film. But he also has a real, real vested interest in Black America and the agenda for Black America. Um, he um, got with some other academics. Um, he got with some academics, rather, um, and um, came up with this, uh, I believe it's 2730-page document. It's called The Contract with America, um, with Black America. And in that country, he lays out um, what would be needed to make uh, black Americans um, up to par with um, any other group, uh, seeing as though um, many other people have had hundreds of years of a head start. And so going through the contract and reading the contract, one of the questions that I addressed uh, to Ice Cube was, again, I mentioned that I was a veteran. I asked him specifically, when you look at um, you know, Black folks who make up about 13% of the population, but we represent in the military community at well over 50%, right? And yeah. then when you look at Black women, I mean, the number is just um, outstanding. And so I asked him around, uh, he talked about for um, those people who do go and enlist in the military, that then 5% of the Department of Defense's um, budget be allocated towards the communities from which those Black people came from. And he talked about that that would be a way to further patriotism, but then also create an, an environment where um, those people who do choose to go into the military or choose to go right away to college, whatever it is that they choose to do, if they choose to go into the military, um, their environment is not because they're having to go into the military because they're having to um, find a way to escape poverty, right? They're not trying to find a way to um, create a better sort of um, set of circumstances. Um, um, or just kind of get away from the environment that they will actually be making a healthy choice to leave um, because that is the decision that they want to make. So I felt like that was important and just wanted to find out from him what exactly would that look like? Um, and then um, what? how was it that they came to that place to even um, add in um, veterans in that place? And so then we kind of went back and I told them a lot of what um, I saw on the contract, made me think about Furious, made me think about uh, Boys in the Hood, right? Mm -hmm. When he took Trey and he took, um, you know, um, Ricky out and talked about some of the different infrastructures that are in neighborhoods that are predominantly Black and those that are not, that really kind of make a break for how, in fact, uh, a, a child, a person will live. And those are the social determinants of health, you know, work, play, live, all of those different pieces come right. together in that. And so he, he agreed. And you can see that in that contract. It definitely does reflect a lot of those pieces that were brought forward in Boys in the Hood all of these years later um, still. 
But um, it, it was a really, really good interview. And um, one of the pieces that Reese brought forward, which I was glad, was that there was an absence of a Black woman's voice and perspective in that particular document. And mm-hmm. so that was definitely something that he looked forward to rectifying. So it was a really, really great conversation. He was very transparent in saying he did not know it all. That's why he wanted to surround himself with people who did have strong backgrounds and the things that he's advocating for in the document. Um, but that also he's definitely um, very much so open to making amendments to the document, reaching out to grassroots organizations that are already doing that document. As Reese talked about, you know, reaching out to members of Congress who have already working and passing legislation that um, in the vein of a couple of pieces that were in that particular document, but just really making it a more whole document and having more of a long term view on um, how that could actually be rolled out and um, be realized. So it was a really, I never, I would not have imagined um, having inter, um, you know, gotten to ask him questions and engage with him, but a, a really um, good um, brother would um, uh, definitely his heart in the right place as it regards his community. And it sounds like it. And I think when you're putting forth a document like that, you don't want um, any aspect of it to be dismissed because when people start to attack the the views in a document because it doesn't represent a certain whatever that they relate to, like the, a woman's voice or whatever, then people tend to try to throw the whole thing away. And that's often we see that like, oh, the whole thing isn't good. We saw that with Obamacare, you know, this isn't working right. So we want to throw the whole thing away. Well, hold on. It's not that everything isn't working. Like this one piece is not, may not be to perfection, uh, but that doesn't mean the whole idea, the whole plan needs to be thrown away. So I'm glad that um, you guys shared some insight on that. My husband is a veteran and my son is getting ready to go into the military reserves. Um, and I think that it's important when I talk to my husband about his reasoning behind why he went into the military is because he came from, you know, a very low socioeconomic status environment mm-hmm. and single mom and, and all of that stuff. So the military was kind of an escape. When you start thinking, when I look at my uncles and stuff who did 25 and 30 years in the military, um, it was an escape out of their environment. My my mm-hmm. uncle was telling my son about the recession hit. And when the recession hit, he went back and enlisted again because he couldn't survive, his family couldn't survive in the middle of a recession. And so the military for Black people serve in a different way as yeah. well. Like, yes, you know, we want to serve our country, but many people use the military as an escape from their environment. It was a, a financial escape for their families, right? It was one way that they can immediately make change. And so they made those sacrifices. But it's also important for the military to also make some sacrifices and the government in that way to give back to those same communities and maybe even go to those communities and educate those you know, individuals from low socioeconomic status about the military and what the military really, you know, some people sign up and not really know what they're getting into. They sign up because they want to escape their environment. And so that, that education and that understanding needs to be there so they can make more competent decisions um, about going into the military. So that's good that you all shared that and shared the opportunity. I mean, you wasn't starstruck. You were able to ask some questions and actually um, interact with him about about something that's very serious. And what we're seeing now, though, is in 
hip hop, R&B. We're seeing a lot of the stars actually come to the forefront and they they want to talk about politics. They want to talk about, you know, what do you have for the people um, within my community in which I came from? Right. Um, and I think that's good when we're starting to talk, talk about the younger vote. Um, we did in my household, my daughter's a teenager. She's in her senior year. And I said, so who would you vote for if you could vote? When this was a few months ago, and everybody, they all said, both of them said Bernie at the time. Mm-hmm. So the younger um, youth, they were all for Bernie. And I was like, why? And, you know, they had their reasons why, but it was very interesting on how they think and what's important to them and the reason why um, they wanted to vote for Bernie. But to see Bernie actually talk about Biden and why Biden is a good choice and even own the fact that there are some differences between how they do things, um, but that he still knows that Biden is the choice. I think that's really important for those younger voters who may be still thinking that, you know, Bernie isn't here. There's no one that I relate to. I'm not going to vote. Right. We need to bring everyone into the phone and say, this is the time to vote. This is not the time to even consider not voting. Um, And I was just talking to someone I went to school with and was talking. She was saying, I'm not going to vote. And I said, "Mm -mm. (laughs) I know you may not be happy with everything that's being said, but you need to go and vote. You need to go and vote. To not vote is a vote for Trump. Um, and, and to not vote is a vote for keeping things the way they are. It's a vote for staying where we are as a country. And if you're okay with that, then that's that would be your reason not to vote. But if you're not okay with what's going on right now, you need to vote. You need to vote. Yeah. yeah. So the other thing that we have to talk about, originally I wanted to talk about, this is before the announcement. Originally I wanted to talk about this whole movement of Black women not even being at the table or should not be at the table because there was a lot of commentary saying Black women should not even be thinking about being vice president, right? They are not even at the table for the discussion. And I said, no, nah, hold on. <laughs> like, that's a problem, <laughs> right? Um, you know, I think the world is often forgetting about Black women and Black women are, you know, and that's where my soapbox is. I talk about Black women and leadership all the time and how Black women are really behind the scenes holding these companies together and not being paid for and not getting the recognition for it. But since my idea about that conversation, we have Kamala Harris, right, has been announced as the running mate with Biden. And um, people have asked, what does this mean? So I want to get your view. I was asked this question. You know, what does this mean for Black women? What does this mean for Black girls? Um, And so I'm going to ask that question for you. What do you think this means for Black women? Well, I'll say start off by saying this, Dr. Key. We have always been seen. I am very much so clear that Black women um, are not kind of like wallpaper, that we do stand out, but that the oppression has been so great because I just want to take it back to a conversation that Cicely Tyson had with Gail King when she described Uh, Black women as being on that fourth rung and that our knuckles are constantly trampled, but uh, we hold on to that fourth rung of that ladder. And when we look up, we see uh, the experiences of Black men, then white women, and at the top, white men. And I've always held that very close to me, that whole piece where she talked about the fourth rung, because that is very true of Black women. So I don't think that it's that we're not seen because we're often 
um, um, imitated, but we cannot be duplicated who we are, what we've been in this country um, from wet nurses um, to, um, you know, builders to now vice president, um, the Democratic vice presidential um, selection um, for um, this 2020 general election. And it really just is more of kind of feeling more seen, right, than um, we have been. So it's now actually being in the position where Black women are able to look through their experiences having been a Greek, look through their experiences of having attended an HBCU, or they can look through their experiences through the diaspora, or they can look at their experience where um, they've never just quite fit in, which I think is very much so something that all Black women and girls can relate to. When we look at the way that Black girls are punished disproportionately in schools, suspended, being expelled, overpopulation in different systems, um, we can also look at Senator Harris in the way that after she announced that she was running for president, when we look at the bots and the disinformation and the campaigns that were waged against her and how that happened again um, when she was announced as the uh, winning uh, ticket with Vice President Biden. But be very clear, though there is all of that hate that is directed towards um, Senator Kamala Harris, which She's faced at every level in her career, whether she was the district attorney, whether she was the state attorney general for California, which produces the sixth of our GDP, um, whether, you know, you're looking at um, a black woman who is a senator and dare run for president, all of that, um, that she is very much so um, embodies the black woman, black girl experience, which is we always have to fight at all costs. But when we look at the data, when we look at the numbers within that announcement, you're talking about just within the span of a couple of days that fundraisers were doubled. Um, we're, so her addition to that ticket was what was needed to, again, Joe, Joe Biden's campaign, which, if we remember back in March, which seems like forever ago, his campaign was jolted again by Black women in South Carolina. So all of this, I would say to you, Dr. Keith, to every Black woman, to every Black girl that I hope is listening, you are seen. And the value that you bring, believe me, people know it. Um, it's just that the price has now gone up on that, right? Um, black women um, have always had to build tables. Um, you know, we're recording this on the 100th year anniversary of the 19th Amendment, which has an asterisk by it because it did not include uh, voting rights for Black women. It was specifically for white women. Black women had to sit at the back of the bus, back of the protest march around this. So Black women always come through. We just always do. And with the thing about, and I love your pillow, it says rise and thrive. Mm -hmm. um, bringing that into this conversation when we rise and thrive, we bring everybody along with us. Everybody eats when Black women and girls eat. So this is um, momentous. It is definitely measurable by data with um, proving who, in fact, Senator Kamala Harris is, as being in addition to the ticket. But again, it just really is a moment, I think, that we just um, need to sit ourselves in and uh, really connect with our power and use that to actually 
encourage unregistered voters because I am um, at a place where I'm not trying to convince somebody um, that life will get much worse if they don't participate in the vote. But we have 40 million people um, that are not registered to vote. And I'm sure some of those folks are within our vicinity. Talk to those people um, and um, all um, together, Black women, Black girls, um, all of us, we really can uh, get us across this momentous finish line that we do have to get across this year for the general election. Yes, I definitely agree. And I do think also that this is the season for Black women, that this is the season. This is the season for us to be pushing towards where we really should be. Um, oftentimes we are there, we're doing the work, they recognize us, but but we feel the pressure of their hand trying to keep us behind the closed door so we don't leave, so we don't move, so we continue to, to work. But this is our time to really be seen and be seen by the world. And it's our time to push against that door and come out in the open. Um, and so I think Kamala is, has has shown us that. Um, she recently did an interview and they asked her about her nationality. Um, and I don't know why they why they tried to even go there with us, but that's a lot of times. Listen, I don't care how they justify their vote as long as they vote for, let me just put that out there. Justify however you want to justify it, whether you need to break down, you know, who she is as a woman, but she identifies as a black woman and they don't understand the diaspora of, of, of what it, what black, black means. You're like, what, what is all across that um, trajectory? You know, we, we want to be put in one box and say that this is black people. And so anyone else that may even look like us, they don't fit in that box because they have some other things in them and all of those different things. Um, and so she, she said, you know, I don't have time. I don't have time to explain to anybody who I am. I am a black woman, period. I mean, that's basically what she said. Um, but it was just interesting how people want to justify maybe their support by saying, oh, she's really not black. And they did that with Obama. I've had many conversations where they said, oh, Obama was mixed. And I'm like, was he? <laughs> you know, it's just, but that's how they justify their support um, for putting a black man in office or for, you know, voting for a, a black woman, but a, a VP with, with um, Biden. So it'll be interesting to see how this, this election turns out. Um, it's really important for everyone to get out there and vote, no matter what it takes to get out there and vote. But I have to talk about Kanye West. <laughs> I, have, I cannot not, we cannot not talk about it because I know that people have went to his rally. There are still people who are going to support him if he gets on um, a ticket to, to actually run. And so I want to get just your perspective on, can Kanye actually run for president at this point? I mean, anyone can. Um, It's uh, come out in the news that the senior advisor and also son-in-law of Donald Trump um, did, in fact, have communication with him in Colorado. He said, oh, we just so happen to be in Colorado. This is Jared Kushner and wanted to have some discussions. So, yeah, he's actively working. with um, him in order to get on the ballot in certain states. But 
I am, you know, just like the um, Senator Harris's sentiments um, on the birther claims, the reason why she was able to dismiss it and has always said that she was a Black woman, because honestly, ain't nobody got time for that. Nobody is checking for 2013 when this came up, when then um, private citizen Donald Trump um, joined the bandwagon and started raising these claims and lifting his platform for further off of the birtherism claims, him and um, the barely English-speaking Melania Trump both did the same thing. And I said that intentionally because he always, always, always um, is negative towards immigrants, but not the one um, to whom he's married to um, and who came on an Einstein um, type of visa, which we're all still waiting to see what that brilliance is supposed to be besides um, copying uh, First Lady Michelle Obama. But I digress. But all of these pieces are really, really important to remember in a way to really walk away from those conversations because there is no conversation. She is a Black woman who has um, heritage to include um, um, Southeast Asian, um, Jamaican. Um, she is a Black woman in all of these different um, places have rightfully so staked their claims, but also talked about how incredibly proud they are to have someone that is from their heritage that um, has this, you know, high selection. And so, you know, still in that, you know, anybody kind of rumorating in conversations around is she or isn't she, that actually is um, very unimportant. Um, it is silly at this point, and there is too many other more important things on the line that will affect us here in the present and those that are adjacent to us and those that we dearly love. And so when we kind of move forward in the conversation and think about being a person who clearly um, is not well, but it is a billionaire, if I might rem uh, remind the audience, and who also received um a great deal of money from the PPP program. You talked about small businesses. There were a whole bunch of Kanye West fans that could have gotten the money that, um, and could have used rather, I say the money from the PPP program um, that did not get it, but he did. This man is a billionaire and received millions of dollars from the PPP program. See, uh, you know, there was a business channel that rattled off some of the names, but they couldn't because there were just, uh, you know, hundreds of thousands of companies and names that had received this money. And he, in fact, was one of those people. So I think when people start really thinking mm -hmm. in terms of making um, common sense decisions, these are not even adults. Mm -hmm. These are common sense decisions. That is the Jill sign of 2020. Mm -hmm. The same person that was sitting at a table with Vladimir Putin, and also with the disgraced Michael Flynn. When you think about that in 2016, now here we are in 2020, we have a Kanye West and a very defiant Donald Trump who's still receiving um, help from the Russians. And there's active foreign interference that is happening right now. Senate Intel report just dropped another part of it, 966 pages. Y'all, this is not a game. And so he's not, whether or not he's on um, a person's ballot in their state, that is that 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 is not even uh, a, a name to consider. Right. We have to consider um, the um, the um, the actual health of the nation. We have to consider um, some semblance of democracy. And for those who are maybe not yet advanced enough, I will say that I say it that way because I think that that's really what it is to understand what is presently happening 
what we've lost and may not gain back and what very may well we will lose as we're seeing that's happening um, in another country, been advertised, um, excuse me, not advertised, we've been shown all day long about how a country, Belarus, they're actually uh, in the streets protesting their mm-hmm. authoritarian dictator, that mm-hmm. that could in fact be the United States. And the very same people who are not as concerned and perhaps not as advanced around their liberties and these devices that we kind of like use and kind of hold it. If you want to see those things regulated in another way, um, mm-hmm. similar to there are in some countries where um, there is, if there is internet availability, that it is under the auspice of the government who will be looking and watching actively in a more intentional way that will say you can only have internet use for a couple of hours that no, you can't have internet use in your home. You'll have to go into a cafe with the military guard standing and watching you. This is not hyperbole. I have traveled internationally. I have seen it happen in other countries. This is something that we would be very concerned with if we saw it on television. Well, guess what? It's happening now. And for anybody that's not informed, does not think it is important, let me tell you, a small percentage of uh, Americans have passports. For people who are already planning, or people who have been paying attention, they may be out of the country if they're able to go to that country. Those who are left behind and remaining who did not feel it was important to participate in democracy, who did not feel like it was important to cast their uh, ballot for um, Biden and Harris, are going to be very much so unpleasantly surprised. And it's not something that you can just come out of in a moment. It's something that takes years if in fact um, authoritarianism is a path that the people can really will themselves to come out of. So, um, you know, all of that to just say, there are just real conversations with 77 days until the general election Mm -hmm. and less than that for people to early vote, get absentee ballots and actually be planning, um, have their vote plan ready. We, We don't have time for silliness. Um, I'm not entertaining those conversations and the focus really needs to be on putting five on it, making sure we are bringing at least five people with us to a poll, putting 10 on it, making sure a census is done and, and not intending, not um, entertaining silly conversations. I believe it was Dr. John Herrick Clark that said something around, he does not really entertain the conversations of the lesser. That's not a dig. That is not shade. That is the truth. The most <laughs> important thing to me is uh, uh, down ballot and top of the ticket. That's what's important to me, not waxing poetic about the state of the Democratic Party, independence, republicanism, or um, people who are entertainers and cannot help themselves but to continue to entertain even when it is as dire as the fracture of the body politic. Yeah. Well, I think you wrapped it up. (laughs) I think you just said a mouthful, you wrapped it up. I want to thank you. Thank you for joining us. And I want to ask you, tell us how um, my listeners can keep in touch with what you are talking about regarding politics for the next 77 days. Thank you so much, Dr. Key. So I want to again say thank you so much to my sister, Dr. Mm-hmm. Key, who is uh, uh, blazing trails. I think about you all the time whenever there is um, a conversation about mental health and about suicide. So it is just really good to know that there's a Black woman who this is a, your dedicated work um, and that you're continuing to advocate 
um, and then at the Turnley degree, woman continuing to push forward thoughts and ideas um, and real solutions. Um, so thank you for your work, Dr. Key, and for your audience. Um, I am Erica Savage-Wilson, and you can join me every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday on the number one morning political primer in the nation. It is called The Savage Political Bite. Um, it's been happening since uh, last year. Um, it is an offspring of uh, Savage Politics, and it is uh, every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, as I said, 7.30 a.m. Eastern Standard Time uh, on Facebook Live, and we go from 7.30 to 8 o'clock. And for those people who subscribe to ericasavagepolitics.com, what they'll also get is at the top of the 9 a.m. hour after the Savage Political Bite, they'll get a one-page newsletter designed with them in mind. So it'll cover everything that we talked about and also provide uh, resources and documents and further reading. So um, we call those folks the Bite Gang. And so if you want to get down with the Bite Gang, please go to ericasavagepolitics.com. Take six seconds with your first name, your email address, click the box, hit subscribe, and you are down with the bike game. But we'd love for people to join me there. Um, and then also to watch me on Roland Martin Unfiltered every Thursday at 6 o'clock. I'm doing media all of this week and we'll post links. And folks can always follow me on Instagram at one Erica Savage. Thank you. Thank you. So you look, you all have to get involved and be a part of this bike game so you can stay up to date on what's going on. So this is Making It Plan with Dr. Keith. Thank you all for listening and thank you, Erica Savage Wilson, for joining us and sharing your brilliance with us. Please follow us on Instagram at Making It Plain with Dr. Key or visit my website, www.thedrkey.com. Thank you for listening to Making It Plain with your host, Dr. Key. This podcast has been brought to you by our sponsor, Sparkman Key Consulting, LLC. Check us out at www.thedrkey.com.